Oh, hi. Hello, everyone. A little weird being at the top of the show, but Lauren and I, after, you know, recording and listening back to it, we we wanted to stress something that we talk about very late in the episode. And it's that I bring up about Robin Williams' choice to do a Latinx voice. I don't, well, I don't know if that was his choice. The way that it, the way that it's presented to us in this episode is that one of the penguins that he voices has a Latinx accent. I, I don't want to be wrong and say the wrong identifier. My feelings are with 2021 eyes and understanding is that this was a mistake. Robin Williams was and is an extraordinary talent that said, we can say now, or well, I can say now that perhaps that there was a a mistake in casting and a lack of opportunity for somebody else. And, you know, we're, I'm a little white girl from Long Island. and 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 I'm a white male, cis male from Long Island as well. So we, we know we're not the right people or the we no we know we are we are the right people we're the we if we're going to say we're allies we have to say that this was a mistake this was and that and that there that our conflicted feelings about how talented robin williams aside casting made a mistake the director and producers made this mistake yes and it's and it's something that you know is recorded and will live on in forever you know and we hope that the industry will continue to recognize these discrepancies and do what it can much like the movie states to appeal to the better nature of others mm-hmm. and in turn also appeal to their own better nature i i think that puts it pretty succinctly so producers casting agents we're looking at you mm-hmm. do better next time okay um, enough about this serious topic. Let's talk about the environment and happy feet. And bullying! Woo-hoo! Take it away, theme song! Life's better song, so you can sing along with a special guest or two. Or two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is uh, the bestie of the pod, if you will, Lauren Gismondi, everyone. Hooray! I'm here. This is like (laughs) your, what, 75th appearance on this episode? Something Something like that. Something like that. We're not in double digits yet. I think this may be six or seven. Okay, okay. We're including episode that the segment in episode 52, 50 okay. as well. I mean, yes, yes. So, yeah, I feel like it's about seven. Welcome back. Missed you. I miss you too. I mean, you were here not that long ago. You were, we just did Swan Princess. Oh, that's true. You know, time is weird right now. I just sometimes I just don't know how many days or weeks or at this point years have even gone by. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're still, we're still in the pandemic, everyone. Just, but enough about that. Let's talk about Happy Feet. You Yay. picked this movie. I mean, you gave me a few options. I was about uh, to say, I gave you a list. Yes. Give me a list. I picked this movie and I 
have a vague memory of actually seeing this movie before, but I think I could be lying to myself. So thank you for picking it. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a little sweet movie, you know. It's a, it's, it's about penguins that, that, and maybe racism, but penguins, and <laughs> you know, maybe a little bit about um, global bullying, but, but, and bullying, but penguins, dancing penguins. The movie came out in two thousand six. It is written by George Miller, yes, the guy that did the Mad Max movies, uh, John Cooley. Judy Morris and Warren Coleman, uh, directed by George Miller and co-directed by Warren Coleman and Judy Morris. Uh, and according to IMDb, now this is literally IMDb a uh, little synopsis of it. I had nothing to do with this, even though it's Lauren could attest that it would sound like something I would say about this movie. <sighs> And fun fact, I did not give Lauren the outline for this episode. So she has no idea what I'm about to say, I think. So according to IMDb, into the world of emperor penguins who find their soulmates through song, a penguin is born who cannot sing, but he can tap dance something fierce. That's it. That I oh little mumble oh. I I I would love to take credit for that, but I did not write it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I am surprised at this movie. There's like I found like a soundtrack full of songs, but with the soundtrack, it's all out of order, and I don't. I couldn't really tell you what is what song happens when really. Because sometimes there's a mashup and sometimes it's just kiss or something. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's always music present in this movie. Yeah, I think the soundtrack for this movie in particular is super important. It just, it runs. It it really does run underneath almost everything. Because I feel like there's maybe three songs actually sung in the movie or or like full songs not the little off things that like the amigos sing or something but like we have kiss heart and heartbreak hotel as a mashup we have somebody to love which i'm kind of sick of that song (laughs) in music and being used in movies because it's too easy i want a different one like I love this, I love the song. Don't get me wrong. Brittany Murphy sang the shit out of it, but like, it's here. It's in Ella Enchanted. It's in that new Cinderella movie, which I think is a fever dream. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> uh, it it's utilized a lot as a sort of I want song for somebody, and I feel like there are other I want love songs for a jukebox musical personally i mean this this movie is also ooh 15 years old so like yeah (laughs) too little too late on my part kind of but you know you're you're allowed to feel the way you feel right i can have feelings yes uh did you know that this movie won a shit ton of awards and by a shit ton i mean like three it won the ones i think that are the most what people would classify as the most important yes yeah, yes. so it, 
it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. And I think I read that it um, it was the seventh movie to win that award in like that category. Because that category, it looks like it started in 2001. So when it came around to the 2007 Academy mm-hmm. Awards, um, it won that. Prince won his first and only Golden Globe for the Song of of the Heart. Mm-hmm. And it also won a BAFTA for Best Animated Feature, which that was the first time that BAFTA had Best Animated Feature as a category. So good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also this was, uh, this movie in particular was a collaboration between various countries to make it happen. I believe it's the US, Australia, um, were primarily the driving forces, but also in addition, I think I read that also Antarctica, there was something else where I was like, oh, good for them. Oh, New Zealand and Antarctica. Those are the other two. Yeah, because it's set in Antarctica, which you don't really find out until like two thirds of the way through the movie. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Apparently, Steve Irwin voiced one of the uh elephant ooh i forgot the names that the names trev. of that he was trev he was trev and yes. this uh, and this movie came out before he passed like or after he passed away so i think um, yeah this is the last movie he was ever a part of right so they dedicated and, the film to him which is so sad and upsetting cuz you know but i feel like since you said that did do you feel like he had some help with like the movement or like the look of the animals or the treatment of animals in for the animation possibly i i don't want to say yes absolutely because i don't honestly know what i do know is the amount of work that went into getting the tap dancing Mm -hmm. truly strong like that, that i know far more about that than about the actual creation of the um the creatures, the animals in this movie. So let's talk about the tap dancing then, since you brought it up. I read that they used Savion Glover. Yeah, Savion Glover. And a judge from, is it So You Think You Can Dance Australia? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I have IMDb, IMDb up right now. Uh, let's, it's... Yeah, So You Think You Can Dance Australia judge Matt Lee was the motion capture principal for Mumble in the film. According mm-hmm. to IMDb, everyone, I literally just read that off of there. So um, I don't know what's true. Maybe both of them like had, were influenced. I'm sure it was equal because Savion Glover is sort of, um, I classify Savion Glover as like one of the best tap dancers of that generation. So it makes, like, as soon as I saw his name, I was like, well, duh, of course. Well, of course they would bring in Savion Glover. Why not? Right. And even without knowing that fact, just watching the movie, you're like, you have the feel of Savion Glover. Yeah. It's super grounded tap. It's the almost, it's like basically the exact opposite of what Fred Astaire was doing um, in the 1930s and 40s and beyond. It's very much, you can feel, it's, tap that lives underneath your body and doesn't involve a whole lot of lifting or jumps or crazy tricks like that the tricks all happen uh, you, you know almost under your body mm-hmm. and it's all about i don't know where i'm going with this but it it, it looks 
quote unquote ugly. Like just because it, like you said, it's so grounded. It's not like the prim and proper, you know, ballet training. Yeah, with the yeah, yeah, and everything. yeah. Yeah, the idea is that it comes from, I, 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 it really is just the difference in where the weight placement is. Mm-hmm. And if, that, if we're talking that, then that only fuels into making Mumble more of an outcast. Right. And like, <laughs> I also was watching the movie and I was like, did you guys give him the blue eyes because it's Elijah Wood? Like, or He's like, supposed to, to be different. Supposed to be different in every which way. Like, they play it. They, I, I was reading about the character design too, that like they played a little bit into like making him look like Fred Astaire. Um, if you, I didn't notice this, but apparently if you watch, when you, if you rewatch the movie, look like, look by his feet, he'll have three dots that look like um, buttons for the spats that uh, Fred Astaire wore. Cute. Uh, and the fact that like he has that little bow tie. I look. did notice the bow tie. Yes. Yeah, that bow tie is very prominent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what else is very prominent? And his mom, she has like a a, a freckle or like a, a black spot on her chest. Uh, mm, is it chest? Do we call it a chest? What's the anatomy of a penguin? We'll say, you know why? Why? Do you know? I'm asking you, do you know why? Oh no no no! I don't I don't know why, but I just felt like it was very, uh, it it was very noticeable. And yes, there I was mean, a, there is a reason. The character's name is Norma Jean. Uh huh. Oh, because oh, for the freckle, the for Marilyn, for Marilyn freckle. How did you feel about that? That like they, her, the, her and Memphis sound like their counterparts. Like Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman put on uh, a very like noticeable like I'm doing Marilyn Monroe and I'm doing Elvis voice. Like, do you feel like it could have worked if they didn't do that? I'm sure it would have been fine. They just would have been Australian penguins. <laughs> oh, Australian penguins! Come on. <laughs> With Elijah Wood in his American accent, oh, I would stand out so bad. <laughs> And plus you have Robin Williams doing, you know, six different voices as per usual. I think that's the reason I truly love this movie. There's two, well, there's two reasons. Number one is tap dancing. I have a background in tap. It is my favorite type of dance when I was studying. And it's something that I still kind of get phone calls every once in a while. Like, hey, can you come in and do a gig for that? And also, I mean, it gets, you get Robin Williams just being... I think he's at his best in this movie because he's the narrator, he's Ramon, he's Lovelace. You get a full spectrum Robin Williams experience. He's basically in every single scene. I don't know. I feel like the genie is peak Robin Williams in Aladdin. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know, though, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but like, I also love tap dancing. Uh, I'm not a hoofer like you are, but like, I like watching it and obviously listening to it because that's part of the experience. So whenever there's a tap number in a, in a show, I like instantly love it. (laughs) So I think that's why I really gravitated towards this movie because I'm like tap dancing on ice. Yes, Mm -hmm. please. How did you feel though? Like with, 
the treatment of mumble with everything like the way that the movie structured it where everyone every literally everyone except for the amigos were against him and i would say his mother she initially was against him so i'm going to give it a strike against her okay i i'm sorry like <laughs> that's fine that's i'm not i i didn't write these characters i'm okay with it because <laughs> you know when they go see the the russian penguin <laughs> um you know she the uh norma jean expresses some concern over mumbles but like i wasn't sure did i read too much into it like was it just a mother being concerned for her child or was it just like why is he so different let's make fun of him kind of i don't didn't get the feeling that she was making fun of him i think that's why when he ultimately leaves mm-hmm. she reacts the way she reacts and i can say from watching um parents go through that with young children who are you know their 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 children are somehow not hitting certain milestones as they grow there is that that's a real feeling that feeling of oh my goodness is something wrong with my child did we do something wrong did i do something wrong now in the case of this particular movie you know from the very beginning that memphis makes a dire mistake in penguin world right yeah so, and, and then and then he's dishonest about it on top of it so already as far as i'm concerned memphis and norma jean are in trouble their relationship is in trouble because it is built on a uh, kind of a lie so then when what's his name mumble goes hmm. to the okay so it's not a zoo it's actually it's, i think it's an sea aquarium world. yeah like, i think it's sea world california or something like that mm-hmm memphis and norma jean are like separated or did or is it memphis is like punishing himself what do you oh in that scene where we find him in the cave yeah ah honestly i i think it's guilt i really believe it's guilt that that drives kind of a wedge even if those words aren't really full well i take that back they do use those words where he, you know, when he finally steps up and says, I never did right by you. You know, he never advocated for his kid. Right. And it feels like in this case, so I watched this movie and then I watched another movie that had very similar dynamics with ah, okay. the family. So I may be confusing the two. So I'm very sorry if I am. <laughs> That's okay. But it felt like Norma Jean didn't blame Memphis for anything. No. Also, girl power for all the female penguins going out to hunt and the male penguins are the ones that left to, like, take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. Like well, that's, I, that's the way it works in nature. I didn't realize that. <laughs> good job, penguins. Girl power. That's exactly what happens. Um, yeah, they, they have, that's what, there's a handoff of the egg and then the, uh, the female penguins waddle off to go get fish. Because from what I, from if my memory serves me correctly, they take all their energy, you know, having the egg and then, right. you know, passing it on. It's like, okay, I need to eat now. <laughs> Keep that sucker warm. <laughs> I'll be back in like a month or two or whatever. Yes. Mama's yes. got to go on some vacay. Yeah. Okay, bye. Um, 
Yes, it could be. I mean, it's like a part of my brain is like, hey, you want to sit on my egg for a while? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you come up and sit on my egg sometime? <laughs> oh, oh, Lauren. <laughs> so, okay. So going back to SeaWorld and everything. Yes. I was, I feel like a scene is missing. Like, there's something that's missing that connects the dots in a way. Because Mumble is in the, is in the, contain, is, it, it, is in his little cell with the other penguins. Yes. And then all of a sudden they know where he's from and they send him back with the tracker. Well, the good news is, is penguins kind of only live in one place. Aren't they at the both poles? Am I wrong I with don't, this? I don't think penguins live on the North Pole. I'm going to look that up, but I'm almost positive a majority of them, specifically the emperor penguins, live only um, on the South Pole. Hold on, let me see. Emperor penguins. Uh, Yeah, where do they live? Where Do they live? There you go. Got to be. Come on, Google. Come on, girl. Come on, Google. Wild emperor penguins are only found in Antarctica. Boom. They breed and raise their young mostly on fast ice, a floating platform of frozen ocean, which is connected to the land or to ice shelves. So, yes, they only live in Antarctica. So they would know where to take Mumble, Mumble. where to drop them off, you know? I thought so. I was like, I vaguely remember this. Okay, I I am not that versed in the environment and (laughs) That's what I'm here for! But like, if that oh god, that montage of all the humans and everything, I was just like, <laughs> really? They're with their front facing eyes and their flabby bodies and no wings. <laughs> How did you feel about them doing that though? That it was live action with the humans, but the penguins were obviously animated because they don't tap dance. I I didn't mind. Just. I, I feel like maybe I could have been upset by it, but I was at that point, you're already so entrenched in the world of mumble that I personally didn't find it jarring or anything like that. For me, the first time you see them when he's in the, um, is it, what, I, I don't the display. I don't know what the actual term is. It's um, like a I tank think, almost. The tank, yeah. When he's in the tank and you see the shadow faces, Part of my brain is like, was very, is very confused because I'm like, are they real? Is that real? Is that animate? Are they like super animated to look real? What's going on here? I also don't know if they're saying, if they're trying to make a message, like have a meaning, deeper meaning of like, this portion is animated. Humans are real. Oh, for sure. There is. I wouldn't say that's the message, but there is definitely a message in this movie. There are actually really several, several takeaways. Uh-huh. So we've got anti-bullying. We're, we're, yeah. We don't like it. Well, you know, exactly. Or being the ability to find people who appreciate you and what you can, what you do, who you are. That's really the biggest thing is, you know, Mumble does try to fit in desperately uh-huh. Early on in the movie, like I want to be able to, you know, I want to, I have to find my heart song. I have to find, I, or else I'm going to be alone forever. It's an, it's a tragic thing, only to kind of realize that the, you know, the strengths are in being different. There's and also, that's, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh no, you continue. Uh, I mean, also the oh, the overlying big arc and theme in the movie is about the environment, specifically that which um, has to do with humans and overfishing. And this is a massive problem still. And this movie, again, was made in 2006 and 15 years. There is a big problem with overfishing all over the world. So it this for me, I watched it this morning at 530 because I couldn't sleep. I was like, you know, I'm going to watch it again. Here we go. And as I was watching it, I was thinking about some documentaries I've seen, like Seaspiracy and, you know, movies like Blackfish even a little bit too, where this is a big point that it's interesting to see that kind of thinking and presentation of the environment that is it's meant for kids but as an adult you're watching it and you can really kind of see like there's a you know how it affects everything oh and i just noticed this came out a year after the march of the penguins yes documentary movie yeah i'm not saying one thing has to do with the other but because i'm pretty sure this was already in production oh when yeah it was being released right an that animated movie sense. i feel like takes about three years they may mm-hmm. actually been in production around the same time because a documentary yeah. also takes quite a lot of time to yeah 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 film. yes and i think the other some of the producers involved in happy feet also are activists so it's i find it interesting when you can kind of marry all of these ideas into one cohesive you know two hour long movie that it's engaging you know as far as like the characters and in this case the music and the dancing especially but then also there's like all these other meanings of what's going on and the idea of appealing to a person's better nature and what does that mean right because i mean it slowly reveals the layers that it is because at first it starts off and you're thinking this is going to be just like any old kids movie Mm -hmm. uh where it's like gotta find my heart song and then all of a sudden you're like oh wait this is really about like man's involvement in fucking up nature and a little like i think they just like kiss global warming they don't really go too deep into it but they're just like they certainly talk about the fact that the humans are eating all of the fish yeah but like (laughs) i mean I mean, more so with the shots of, like, the icebergs, like, falling apart. Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Like, it's a more of a visual conversation rather than a verbal one. Right, right. I mean, all I, really, it's all real things. It's all things that have happened and are happening more frequently even now. Yes. There's also a little bit of, like, the chosen family versus, like, your birth family mm-hmm. conversation kind of happening. Yeah, yeah, and finding finding I, I your guess tribe. In, yeah, as find, I was about, will say. <laughs> that is exactly it. Finding the finding others to support you and love you. That and, and it's invaluable. It's invaluable at any age having mm-hmm. that network. And that's what, you know, Mumble struggles with at the beginning of the movie because he's an outcast. He can't sing. Or he can see, well, I shouldn't say that. He can make noises, but they, but in this particular world, they're like, it's not pretty. That's not really singing. What are you doing? Right. He sounds like <laughs> a penguin. Yes. Yes. When he so, sings. Yes. Like a real penguin for, that would be alive somewhere in Antarctica right now. 
And then he does like a hero's journey as well, where you feel like all is lost and bleak when he's in the tank. And mm-hmm. or when he's when his mind is gone. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Oh, uh, uh, that's I don't uh, how especially much, did they say how much time passed that he's I, in was, there? I don't remember if it said specifically, but he doesn't lose that many more feathers. The down. So that's, I kind of use that as my indicator. He lost a little bit, but not a whole, whole lot. Yeah. That is heartbreaking, especially because again, I'm going to harp on overfishing you guys. I've become a prophet for this a little bit where he's saying there's plenty of fish for everybody. And he starts flinging it against the, the wall of the tank of the exhibit. I just, I cried. I was laying in my bed watching it and just like, no, there isn't. It's a lie. It's a lie. So emotional. And then they, uh, in his vision, they do like the end, the Infinity War snap fading away. Yes, yes. They did it first. So really, I guess you could say that Marvel took, did the happy feet, Sans disappearing. A non Disney film. It is a non Disney film. You are like picking the non-Disney films and I'm loving it. Oh, I think it's important to talk about them. I I think that they deserve just as much attention and love. I I mean, because it's easy for me to sit and talk about, you know, Beauty and the Beast or talk about, you know, The Little Mermaid or Cinderella. And they're all, these are all like, all of the Disney movies, especially the ones that I've seen multiple times, especially are near and dear to my heart. But these ones, I also feel, and I guess that's part of the reason people may either really like them or really not, is a lot of these non-Disney films have stronger messages. Disney's starting to catch up a little bit now, but things like, you know, the Swan Princess, this was a princess who was like ahead of her time asking real questions. Mm -hmm. The story of Mumble, Mumble's an outsider, but realizes that I can communicate and I can make things better because I'm different and I can get the kind of attention and the help we really need. And this movie is also like teaching kids about the environment Mm -hmm. without being a lecture. Yes. Yes. I feel like Fern Gully was maybe one of the first movies to do that. And this one kind of follows in that suit, different animation style, different time, but I'm, I meant the kids related. of yeah, yeah. the time of, yes. of 2006, you know, that we're seeing the movie or yes. present day. Who, who uh-huh. knows? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, it's very fascinating. I I also like that. Like this, this is a musical podcast. We're talking about the environment, but like going back to the music of it, it's pretty. It, like I I I had my little moment about somebody to love, but like it's all really well done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that almost everybody did their own singing. There wasn't any dubbing. Hugh Jackman sang, Nicole Kidman sang, um, Murphy, Robin Williams, that version of My Way. Come on. Uh, Like, give me a break. (laughs) I'm going to give a lot of credit to Nicole Kidman Mm -hmm. because not only did she do her own singing, but she had to do her own singing doing a Marilyn Monroe voice yeah. like she had to sing kiss I read on IMDb as well that uh originally Prince did not want to give them the rights to kiss but then he saw the movie and then was just like you have it and let me write you a song like yeah that's how, but that's how powerful something like this can be 
You know, it can sway the heart of somebody who's like, don't use my music to being like, yes. I'm going to now write, yes. I'm now going to one-up myself. Yes. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) And it was also really great, like, I don't know what song it is. Is it really a song where it's the, the penguins tap dancing and the old white men like penguins are singing... They're, they're just more like rhythmically singing, right? They're... It certainly touches on what I imagine some indigenous or music is. It has that feeling of something that is old. Oh, yeah. For lack of a better word. And like they are the council, the, the, the elders. The elders. No, the, eld- they, yes, the, elders the elders are supposed to be old white men, right? Like, or... Certainly people who are very set in this is how things are. And then, of course, at the it does kind of I I don't. How do I say this? Give me a moment. It's interesting that, you know, they keep saying that what they keep trying. They spend the entire movie either making fun of Mumble or discrediting him, Mm -hmm. saying you're crazy. You're nuts. Even though even when Mumble was a little baby, they found out about, you know, I was at the the, the birds and I'm an alien inductee, abductee. That's it. (laughs) Hands down my best, I love that seat. I mean, it touches into my inner Long Island Italian person to be like, I'll show you where you can go get abducted. <laughs> and then tangent, those, that, bird, that bird does come back. Yes. Right? Okay. When, Not to speak, but but it's there. The birds come back. When, when they, when Mumble gives Gloria the fish, like that whole scene, the whole yes, segment before that. the fish. <laughs> That is that those birds, right? I like, thought not, so. Yes. We'll maybe, say yes. Maybe not those specific birds, but like. It's the same breed for same sure. Breed. Yeah. I did also read, speaking of songs and stuff. Um, and I'm going to just read this right off of IMDb. I'm citing my sources. Nobody come at me. At around one hour and 35 minutes. When Memphis sing, is singing Kiss. He stops when the helicopter arrived. He tells his his son, Mumble, I think you better dance now. This line is actually part of the song Kiss in the version by Tom Jones. It is. And I did not know that. And I really appreciate, like, this movie was, like, so It's so smart. It's so smart and so layered. And, yeah, so I I grew up, so I didn't... little bit about my childhood i did not know prince sang the song kiss first i grew up listening to the tom jones version and then as a teenager Uh, i found out oh prince sang it first and tom jones put it on an album as a cover so yeah tom jones on that on that song goes think about a dance now and then the orchestra comes it's it's a dance it's turned into a real dance hall hit when tom jones does it it's a bit different from prince so now I want to shit on the Lion King remake. Can we do that for a second? A quick it's, second? Oh Yeah, let's... I haven't seen it, so I will go for uh, it, John. Going on my soap, going, I'm going on my soapbox. So in the Lion King remake, they did the, the computer, the real, like, lifelike computer animated animals, that talking animals, right? I feel like this movie did a better job at that because they're still walking and move. They're still moving like the animals that they are. It's not like the penguin can all of a sudden fly or run. Like, yes, tap dancing is like not normal, but like they're still very expressive. 
in their in their mannerisms and in their movement and everything. So I feel like this movie, if it was done today, I feel like they could have like upped the animation to make it a little more realistic and like it would have worked. Like uh, it would have done a better job than John Favreau and the Lion King remake. And that is my two cents about that. <laughs> oh no, I had I had that thought while watching it. I was just like comparing like the Lion King and the Lion King, you know, the two versions. In the animated one, obviously they played a little more, they made it a little more expressive and animated. And then when they were like, look, we're gonna do a quote unquote live action one, they made it look real and all those animals had dead eyes and everything which scared the shit out of me but (laughs) in this movie like yes they're clearly animated penguins but like if you were to use today's technology to do this film again and like make them look a little more realistic but like keep everything else the way that it was like just change the look of it Mm -hmm. I think it would it would still work as a movie and it would be so much better than that Lion King. Sorry, I'm going to shit on that movie forever and always because it was god awful. Uh, which is unfortunate because it had some really good people in it. So it's unfortunate that it was. I'm not blaming par. the cast. I'm not blaming the cast at no, all. No, of course. It's not their job to make Mm-mm. it look good. They had to make it sound good. That's yes. not the whole other thing. That, that is a whole other thing. I kind of. I have to, I think I just need to see the sequel now. I, Cause I didn't see Happy Feet 2. I didn't watch the sequel, no. I haven't either. And I think I'm going to need to because I was very curious by the end of it, what was going to happen to Gloria and Mumble, if anything, I don't know. But I had that thought cause I'm like, well, she's with somebody but she's still like over like, hey. And penguins are supposed to be monogamous. So I don't know what's up with that. Um, I have questions. I did read, so um. It's also sad to report that Brittany Murphy passed away after this movie came out, but before the sequel was in production. Right, yeah. So Pink, the singer, took over for her part, mm-hmm. which not mad about. Very different voice, though. Yes. Very different singing voice. Yes. <laughs> but again, not mad about it. No, no, I mean, no. Pink is an absolute powerhouse, and I adore all of her music yeah i love her uh so we're gonna let's speculate a second i don't know what the songs are and i'm not gonna look it up for this do you think pink would have done like her pseudo belty voice for the songs possibly but i also yeah i would say it depends on the song and the moment possibly you have the tools in your toolkit and they're gonna service you then you would use them that and now that again is this is all hypothetical. Neither of us have seen it, so we don't know. But it does make a person wonder. And also, oh, you know what it is? I like this is what I was thinking. I like the use of different genres of music in this movie. Yes. <gasps> they sing tightrope in that movie? Oh, Lauren, we have to watch it and maybe do <laughs> another episode. We probably all right, sure. Well, guess what, everybody? Um, you're not rid of me yet. I'm going to come back from Happy Feet 2 probably sometime next year. <laughs> At some point. Wow, it also, I feel like, so this one and the sequel look like that they're uh, they're both uh, jukebox. Mm-hmm. Which, fine, great, yeah. love it. 
there's this one song called Bridge of Light. I've never heard of it. I think it's written for the movie and Pink sings it. Okay. That's me speculating. <laughs> stay, t- stay tuned for the future episode when Lauren comes back to talk about Happy Feet 2. <laughs> exactly. But there's, a, that's, that, there's only one sequel, right? There's no other, there's not a Happy Feet 3. Not that's- to my knowledge. And I'm not sure that could be possible because, you know, Brittany Murphy's gone. Robin Williams is gone. So I don't know. I don't know if Elijah Wood, Nicole Kidman, or Hugh Jackman would come back without the others. They might. Yeah. New characters, yeah, so- but, you know, you, you lose you lose something there. So Happy Feet came out in 2006, like I said. And Happy yes. Feet 2 came out in 2011. So yes five-year difference mm-hmm. oh i'm just reading the amdb i'm gonna save the amdb for that episode though okay yes mm. that would be good we should probably focus on the movie that we're supposed to focus on do we have to my podcast my rules i guess all right fair fine it's your show not mine do what you want sophia vergara is a voice in the happy feet too oh my god lord we are so gonna do that <laughs> god <laughs> god do you think though they can't like i've never heard elijah wood sing can he sing i don't know well wait hold on he could probably I carry would, a tune yeah i was about to say i'd have to re-watch wilfred because i think he might sing on that show it's been a number of oh. years since i've seen wilfred but it's possible that he might sing in an episode wilfred is another weird program tangent if you haven't seen it um and you like weird shows Check out Wilfred. Okay, so I'm a little hesitant to ask this question, but how did you feel about Robin Williams doing a Hispanic voice or a Latinx voice? I know it was. (laughs) I know it it was like in his wheelhouse of voices to do that, but now with 2021 eyes and ears, Mm -hmm. how do we feel about that? I'm a little conflicted because, like. I loved him as Lovelace. Lovelace? Lovelace. Yes, Lovelace. Lovelace. But knowing Robin Williams and knowing his work, it seemed to fit. But like, I feel like you could have found another actor to do that. It's it's a very sensitive subject, I know. Well, yes. And then my question would be, okay, if we were to swap out Robin Williams... Swap out Ramon that for him doing that voice. Who would you like to see in 2006? Who would you have liked to see? Oh Jesus! Yeah, uh, that's how I would think about it. You know. Well, I'm only asking because, like, we're going into this subject of like looking back at movies and finding mm-hmm. things that are that were just like, ooh, we did that kind of a a vibe. Mm-hmm. I don't find it offensive but I'm not the right person to talk about that. I feel like, so maybe I'll just cut this whole section out. I don't know. <laughs> no, we should, we sh- we can talk about it, but then the question would have to become, okay, well, who, who instead? That's how I see it. Was George Lopez around at the time? George Lopez was around. He had a television show. Oh yeah, he did. Yes. George um, Lopez was around. Um, oh my goodness. Um, Gabriel Iglesias was doing oh comedy. My, oh my God. Could you imagine Gabriel Glaces as one of the amigos? Like it doesn't have to be remote, just one of them. 
Because the other thing is the other amigos um, were all played by um, Latino um, actors. Yeah. It was just Ramon. Not just Ramon, but Ramon is the one in that case that's different. You know what I kind of love about looking now on the IMDb? Yeah. Is that they list the actors pseudo in alphabetical order. Yes. So like Carlos... Elizraqui, he played Nestor. I think that's one of the amigos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lomb- Lombardo Boyar, he played Raul. Yep. Jeffrey Garcia played R- Ronaldo. And Johnny A. Sanchez played Lombardo. Yes. That was the rest of the, um, what are they called? The Adelies. The Adelies Penguins. The Ad, yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, no, I'll say that for Sharp and Flat. <laughs> I just remembered something that I was like, I love this moment, but. Sharp and flat. Well, yes, we're yes. we're almost there. We're almost there, guys. That's yeah, okay. But that's what you have to think about. You know, it's like okay, that we're looking at if we're looking at it with twenty twenty one eyes. Yes, we would change. We, the likelihood of this changing is higher for sure. Right. And then my question, of course, like I said, is if it, okay, going back to two thousand six, two thousand between two thousand three and two thousand six, when this was in production and things like that, who was around that would be suitable, that could sing and that could do all of this? You know who else would work really good is Ricky Martin. I was going to say him. or Antonio Ricky Martin Paris. has a good sense of humor. Like I've seen, we've seen him in other movies in the last two or three years where he, like him and Jingle Jangle, shining. So like there, there's certainly, I mean, Enrique Iglesias could work. I don't know if Enrique is as funny as Ricky Martin is, but... There, in other words, there were plenty of options and they didn't go that route and we'll never know why. I don't think, well, I said Antonio Banderas, but I don't think. <laughs> he got his later with Puss, no, Puss uh, maybe Boots. even a little bit before that, Puss in Boots. In, around uh, the, it's around the same time. It is, exactly. But I feel like his voice is too suave for, and too like, you know, mm. Mm, I'm, I'm Antonio Banderas. <laughs> for like Ramon. But yeah, Ricky Martin would have been a good contender as well. Yeah, because you never know who was actually in contention for this stuff and who fell through. Or you know? like if it's in Robin Williams's contract to do multiple voices when he does animated films because well, we've seen it done previously. Right, right, right. And it's possible that 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 could also make sense. In other words, we will never know. We won't know. But I, I just wanted to, you know, bring it up to the modern age and talk about that because... I, it was something that I thought about and I wanted to talk about it. Uh, I did also read that Owen Wilson apparently w- allegedly was considered for the role of Mumble. Could you imagine Owen Wilson as Mumble? <laughs> I don't think a sequel would have been made. <laughs> I'm biting my upper lip because I don't want to, I don't, don't want to say don't, anything. Don't think too hard about it. Fine. We'll go to sharp and flat. Okay. <laughs> Unless is there something else you want to talk about? No, I think this covered a lot. I've already said like all my feelings about the music and like the fact that there's a nice variety of styles mm-hmm. that occur over the course of, you know, this hour plus long movie. And that is also, again, it keeps you engaged and interested. And it also helps, I think, like you can identify characters based upon the type of music that they sing. Oh, that's, that's I didn't really old... take that deep into it. Oh yeah, that's old school musical theater writing where it's like you have a theme a character has a theme that they're attached to that way. And, and this is, <laughs> I give uh, D uh, Bartlett and Mark Bornfield who I'm doing a confessions of a retired, witch uh, 
What's this? I Did know, right? Lit from uh, a little night music episode. Shameless plug, yes. Um, but that that is an old idea in in opera and certainly in musical theater of assigning a certain theme with a particular character. That way, the people who are all the way in the back. If you couldn't clearly see who was coming on stage, the music, you would be able to hear the theme and go, oh, that's supposed to be insert name here. I think also um, Peter and the Wolf does a really great job of each character is a different instrument so that, you know, you can you can pick up on that. Um, And this movie does something it's modernized take on it where, you know, Memphis is clearly it's Elvis. Elvis. It's supposed to be Elvis, supposed to be that type of like country, early country rock. Norma Jean is close to what Marilyn Monroe was doing when she was singing um, in movies. And, you know, we have disco pop princess in Gloria and the Amigos are, you know, there's, there's plenty of, um, what is it? It's a Spanish version of my way with the the Latin rhythms underneath it. So it's not like the my way we've heard Frank Sinatra do in the past. Ami Manera. Yes. Ami Manera. Yes. Quick question before we get into Sharp and Flood, actually. Okay. This is also another speculation question. So, re- <laughs> or it may, it may have a hard answer and I just missed it. That's okay. Go for Do it. Do you feel like when the penguins in the movie find their heart song, that's the only song they know? No. <laughs> well, because like we see Norma Jean and um, mm-hmm. Memphis only sing one song. Oh, wait, Gloria does sing a few songs. The disco pop queen. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say no, um, only because I think there's like the the difference of the heart song is whatever is your soul, your essence, that is your heart song. And when they sing it, it's matching or corresponds with somebody else's. Like it's pieces mm-hmm. of a puzzle fitting together. And like, you hear them sing other things over the course of the movie as well. So Boogie that's, I love Boogie Wonderland. Do not, I love my earth, wind and fire. It can never take it away from me. And at the end of the movie, you get Patti LaBelle. I mean, it's like all good things as far as I'm concerned. And Miriam Margulies um, is the Russian German voice teacher. Oh my God, really? <laughs> Best cameo in a movie ever. I mean, she probably had six her? lines. Yes. Yes. Mary Margulies came back to the podcast on accident. I'm yes. so happy. <laughs> yes. I, the, I just, again, like I said, she comes on for her one little scene so and that's funny. it. <laughs> the movie also missed out on mm. the song Gloria. I'm just going to say it right now. Maybe it's in the second one and we just don't know it yet. No, I didn't see that. But like, I wonder if that's why they named her that because she is the disco pop queen, like you said. Yeah, and that is a Laura Branigan hit, for those of you who don't know, from the Gloria. late 70s. Yep, late 70s. Da-na-na. Gotta love it. Da-na-na. Yes. All right, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Okay. Sharp Flat. In this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. Blah, blah, blah. If we liked it, it's sharp. If we didn't like it, it's flat. Lauren, what are your sharp moments? I can't say the whole movie, can I? <laughs> yes, you can. You legit can. There are no hard rules when it comes right. to this section. Okay, 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 okay. No, no, I will be I will be specific for the sake of being specific. 
it has so many overarching themes and I want, I hope when people watch it, they pick up on these ideas as they're sitting, you know, with their family or by themselves or whatever, because that's what makes, at least I'll speak specifically to this movie. That's what makes it so good to come back to. Cause every time I've come back to it, cause I saw it when I was in, you know, back in 2006 in theaters, I did see it then. And I've seen it a few times over the years since then. And every time I come back to it, it's like, I pick up on something new or something that maybe I remembered from a few viewings ago, forgot and comes back. And it's just, I, I think that's what makes it such a wonderful movie and why I'm glad it has, you know, it's won the Academy Award. It's got some Golden Globes. It's got some accolades to it because I think sequel. it deserves it. And a sequel, which we don't know whether or not it was good, but we will find out and come back to all a, of you people later. In a future episode. Woo-hoo. I mean, I love the voice talent. I, I can't, it's hard for me to find something about this movie that would be negative it i had does, a, I, I had to dig deep yeah that's the I thing i dug very deep and i'm it's very stupid <laughs> and nitpicky i'm not gonna lie to you i'm okay. i'm looking at it now and i'm just like why did i write this uh but well, for my you, i no flats i'm sorry what, what? you have no the, flats i don't i do not i could sit here and really like sit and think about it and be like, well, maybe they could have gotten musical theater people and not movie people. But honestly, I don't care that much for this movie. No. And I know that's like almost against everything I believe in, but I'm like, no, I like these voices. They do the job and they do it very well. Let them stay. So there are some very specific animated moments that, well, obviously this whole movie's been animated, but there yeah. are moments that like, they do a different style, it feels like. And I really... I'm I'm sharpening it so hard right now. So like in the beginning when they talk up when all the males are like huddled together and yes, yeah, so they're the in great, the eternal like, darkness. And they talk about the great Gwyn. Yes. The imagery that happens, I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say a lot happens in the first 5 minutes of this movie that set you up really nicely. And, and then, that's and, one of them. And then like that's sort of style quote unquote I don't know if that's the right word for it but like that comes back later when the amigos and mumble and lovelace are walking in the snowstorm like the blizzard yes it's it felt very similar and I loved it I also really loved the underwater sequences like beautifully done yeah it It looked real it looked so real but like now that when I'm going back on my soapbox about, you know, when I talked about the Lion King, just imagine it, (laughs) just imagine it if they were photorealistic penguins with the underwater sequence, like that done. Love it. Mm -hmm. Give me, take my money, take my money now. I really loved Miriam Margulies as the Russian penguin. I didn't know that was her. I didn't look it up. Yes, yes, yes. She's, it's like I said, she's on the screen for less, I think maybe three minutes. And it's gold. It's her and E.G. Daly. And for those of you who do not know who E.G. Daly is, um, she actually voiced many of your childhood favorite cartoon characters. She was Tommy in the Rugrats. She was on the Powerpuff Girls. She has voiced so many characters. And she's Baby Mumble. She does little Baby she's Mumble so voice. Good. She's a superstar. I, I, a very seriously underappreciated and under-celebrated superstar. And I don't know if she's in this movie, but Tara Strong 
who has voiced a shit ton of characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to give her a shout out. I don't know if she's in this movie or not. I don't think so. I didn't see that name in the credits, but that's no, okay. But love her. Mm-hmm. I also really loved, and it's so stupid, but super sharp to the uh, the ba- the birds in the background when that one bird is talking about how he was abducted by aliens. Oh yes, who are there mouthing off about their friend? <laughs> like, oh my god, the fact that the the details, like, I think that goes <laughs> to the details of this movie, where they the animators had the wherewithal to think about that, where they're like, okay, so the other birds are in the background acting out the same thing that they that this guy is doing. Yeah. Oh, blew my fucking mind. <laughs> I'm going to have to go on a YouTube uh, rabbit down a YouTube rabbit hole, I should say, and look up if there's any film of them in the voiceover studios for some of these scenes. Oh god! Because I hope it's all because I've seen them for other movies, like where they have like a documentary crew comes in and like plops themselves and they you know film everything that's going yeah. on while the actors are doing the voiceover work. And I hope that that maybe that exists somewhere. Because I have a feeling in my heart of hearts that for this movie, it would be hilarious for so many reasons. Especially if it's like, if, if anything, just to watch Robin Williams again, did you? Yes. Yes. I would like the scenes with the, yes, the, um, the amigos for sure. And definitely the five birds, because they really do sound like my great uncles and my dad and his brothers like when one of them is trying to tell a story <laughs> and the others are in the background kind of telling him to go like you know to t- tell him where to stick it or to be like you forgot this part exactly and, and then somebody on the other side is going who's telling the story anyway ah. uh, that's what i felt i'm like oh it's home <laughs> i also really liked the post the uh end credit scenes uh, mo- moments where they're tap dancing the penguins during the credits it was just it was a little cute like like you know yeah, you're, yeah. That you're was still the whole... here watching the movie <laughs> yeah and it's also it's, again it highlights all of the dancers that they brought in to do all of that work because it was not just those two choreographers it was if you watch the credits there was like a list of like 20 dancers maybe more who all probably had to put on the green screen suits with the balls on it and have to perform all of those numbers, those big ensemble penguin dance numbers. You know, it's like, I, you have to think about it too. It's like, well, that, they needed people to physically suit up and learn that choreography in order to animate it properly. I did also read on IMDb that not only did they have to wear the mocap suits, but the, the motion capture suits, uh, they had to wear heads with be- like, like protrusions of a beak i was about to say they're wearing helmets with beaks on them yeah they had it i mean it's good for spacing and everything because if you're doing yes. if you're doing things side by like if they're doing two people at a time or whatever mm-hmm. like you have to know where your spacing is it's true and i really hope hugh jackman did memphis's tap dancing oh as my well. god i hope so again this is all stuff i'm going to go down a youtube rabbit hole later tonight and i'm going to look it up because I've seen, there's another movie that I love that they suited up all the actors for in the movie. The voiceover actors actually got to do all the action for the characters. Um, it's called Rango. Uh, I was about to say that movie. Yeah, yeah, with Johnny Depp. I have seen. I haven't seen the movie, but I have seen all the behind the features stuff, 
behind the scenes and it's so funny watching them like sword fight in the suits like they like, built a set and everything for they, that yes they built a whole thing so guys i'm gonna i nerd out about things like this because i there is a part of my brain that is fascinated by the mechanics of making this stuff happen because of course you know if, when you go to the movies or you're streaming from home you're only seeing the end product and for me, the process is what makes it so fascinating and so interesting. And I appreciate it when a production team really takes the time and the energy to make it the best possible thing in that given time. Does that make sense? So much sense. Snaps. Snaps for everybody. Um, okay, are you ready for my flat? It's so am, stupid. Well, yeah, it's what's so your flat? <laughs> the voice actors didn't double as the humans. Maybe they couldn't afford it. <laughs> That's I mean, a lie. That's a lie. I guess it, I guess what's nice about that is like other actors get employed and get some screen time. Right, but like you have that voice act, you have a you have a cast already. Just mm-hmm. put them on screen. I it's probably it probably would cost more. You are right. But like I don't know. I think it would be a fun little Easter egg to be like, oh hey, there's Nicole Kidman who's right, right. voicing Norma G, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if like they're in suit, like super like baseball caps or like a wig or something, like right, right. I just think it would have been fun. But like I said, it was very difficult finding something. Um, maybe I would also tag on our conversation about Robin Williams playing a Latinx person, mm-hmm. a Latinx penguin. But like, I'm I'm a little like here and there about it. It is a different time. So we have 15 years is yeah 15 years is a decent chunk of time so it's not he like I feel like he wasn't offensive as a voice I didn't think so it wasn't something as egregious as um Mickey Rooney playing an Asian character in Breakfast Breakfast at at Tiffany's see so I I am a white woman and I feel as though there is a spectrum and that I, you might have to cut this out because I'm not sure how I feel about this as I say it. I'm, I just I wonder if it's I, I wonder if it's exactly how offensive is it? Because I feel like maybe there's levels. I don't. Does that make sense? You might have yeah. to cut this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It makes total sense. It's also like with com- like comedy movies, yeah. uh, where we're revisiting like Porky's, like that's super rapey, but at the right. T- I mean, it was still super rapey, but like that was what the humor was at the time. Because you also mm-hmm. had Animal House, and another one was Re- Revenge of the Nerds, which is also super rapey. Oh goodness, yeah, that they're like on a mission in that, in both, in all those movies, right. they're on a mission, straight but, up, no chase on a mission. Was uh, we? I think the thing is though, if we can call it out now, but we don't cancel it. Like that, that is our history. Yeah, that makes, I'm more comfortable with that. And again, I I don't want to say too much because of my own life experiences don't dictate in that way. Yeah. But I can sit there now and go, and I can agree with you and be like, yeah, maybe if this was happening now, that wouldn't be acceptable. Right. I just wanted, I just wanted to call it out. I don't, I don't want to cancel this movie. I don't want to cancel Robin Williams's career because like he had a very healthy career and very iconic career you know it's good to acknowledge it i think it's important much like like we acknowledge the issues of the environment and overfishing and climate change that we also discussed this is another thing that you know 
here's where things are not as great with this movie. Does that mean, like, right. you know? It, it, yeah, yeah. And there it is. And there it is. Uh, <laughs> would you add any of these songs to your life's playlist? I mean, I love all of them. Boogie Wonderland. I mean, that was on the road trip playlist. And by road trip playlist, I mean the six CD changer my parents had in the minivan when <laughs> I was a kid. Um, so that's one's always there. And every time it comes on my Spotify shuffle happiness, it's like, oh, yay, I love this song. Yeah, all of them. I don't dislike any of the songs in this movie enough to be like, they can't come over and hang out. I'm going to agree with you. I know I, I shat on somebody to love, but like the <laughs> what, the performance of it was mm-hmm. great. And yeah. I could listen to it. It's just for future jukebox musicals that are about a love story, please don't use somebody to love as the I want song. Find something else. Spice it up a little bit. And with that note, we are done with the episode, Lauren. Wow. We're done. With we this, did with the, it. We did it. We talked about Happy Feet. Yeah. Obviously, you're coming back to talk about Happy Feet, too. That means I have to watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Not, I mean, not tomorrow, but you know what I mean. Yes, uh, yes. Do you have anything you want to plug or promote? You can come find me on the Instagram at lodges underscore sangs. Uh, there is some things happening. I don't want to say too much because I, in fact, do not have all the details, but there is more to come. There's always more to come, John, always. Mm-hmm. And be sure to check out Dead Man's Toe. Yes, I finally finished a script. So we're going to have some cute things coming out between now and Valentine's Day of next year in 2022. Oh. And also, I'm going to plug for you, 29 Lives. The oh, YouTube. yeah. I'm doing a musical online. <laughs> Surprise. Can't you tell that Lauren and I are best friends? I know I know her stuff more than she does. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you know me more than I know me. That's it. Uh, Lauren, you just, uh, you were, you were part of a song in the past for 29 Lives, and then you were a dancer in a recent video if i'm, I'm a dancer mistaken. yes a dancer and i do backup vocals uh for i want to remember this night um my the trio i'm singing in comes out sometime in the next month or so i believe called race of my life and my final t- my solo piece which is called one less night oh no it's not yes it is i do sing a song called one less night i do i i do um we're recording it at the end of this year and then we'll be filming it most likely sometime after that okay so it's all it's all on youtube guys everything is on youtube and eventually we're going to have an actual cast album and all of the songs will be available i know right all of the songs will be available on your streaming platform or or we do love a cd we do love people wanting to buy albums so Mm -hmm. i'm I'm down for that as well so either or i'm not in charge so whatever my boss eventually says is what goes for sure Can you give a little blurb as as to what 29 Lives is for those who don't know? Of course. So 29 Lives is a song cycle that talks, sorry, that primarily deals with people who are in their late 20s and early 30s. It's um, love, it's loss, it's heartbreak. Uh, There's a great deal of wanting all these people in this particular musical, they want to connect with others. 
And we did it, an in-person production of it in 2019, and we're set to do another run in 2020, but you know, New York City 2020, mm. we didn't have a great time here. Uh, that's a story for another time. And we moved everything online. So everything is now on YouTube. You can find it if you search 29 lives. Uh, it should be the first thing that pops up. And if not, Chris Wade, I'm sorry, I called it the wrong thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you just even write 29 lives, the series, that would be the most accurate one. So and it's 29, all, hmm? and 29 lives is one word. Yes. 29 lives or 29 lives, your choice. <laughs> it's 29 lives. It's 29 lives, the series. Uh, it's so good, guys. Listen, you bet you got to listen to some of the stuff. Uh, and if you want to be part of, if you want to get in contact with, me and the podcast you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram and twitter at buttasongpod mm-hmm. tell us your thoughts on the environment did we do happy feet justice should we have talked more about the music and less about the environment on this <laughs> podcast? i don't know maybe here i'll i'll be the first one to say maybe we should have but i'm not mad at any of i'm us. not mad no it was a con- it was a great conversation that mm-hmm. we had yes and stay tuned for the sequel because it, it's definitely going to happen if you want to get prepared for the next episode i don't know what i say at the end of here i can't i'm making up words what's right your, now what's your next episode gonna be john for later this week or early next week it's called a week away I shit you not. <laughs> I was that's like, really? really? That's the name of it. A week okay. away. It cool. is a it is a musical movie, uh, obviously, <laughs> on Netflix, and we're gonna have like a great guest coming back for mm. this one. Sounds fun. Can't wait. Yes, yes. So, uh, Lauren, let's go time step our way out of this episode, shall we? Uh, okay. Am I actually making the noise? Uh, no. I mean, no, we I don't can. Have. Okay, make the noise then. Make the noise! <laughs> Bye, everyone! Bye, y'all! Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.